Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Talk Recorded live. Hey, thanks for tuning in to uh, PTN Talk Radio. I'm your host, uh, Ren, and there's Mike Bear, and there's also... Ricky and Rachel Jennings here with us as well, too, as our co-host. And, you know, we're really wanting to bring some interesting topics. You know, too many times we believe something because we're being told it, but is it biblical? And so we want to show the, uh, uh, you know, Jesus never told us of a rapture. And we want to show where this rapture doctrine actually came about and how it was established. And, and you know, we're going to be showing some scriptures. We need to trust the Word of God above anything else. And so hopefully... That's what we can do here to kind of shed some light on this, to show the truth about this, because, you know, we don't need to be believing anything that Jesus didn't taught. I'm going to say hello to uh, Ricky and Rachel and Mike. God bless y'all. Well, God bless y'all, too, and good to be here today with this very important and very informative broadcast. Yeah, uh, because um, I, I... I don't use, I've never really ever used the word rapture. I used the word resurrection. And uh, we're going to find out why that the word rapture shouldn't be in a Christian's vocabulary. And uh, and and um, uh, I encourage everyone, put away your, put away your commentaries, put away your Sunday school books. Let's get the word of God open and let's see what the word of God says today. Back to you. Well, Mike and I were looking looking up the word rapture, and it meant what, Mike, was that? Kidnapped, snatched, taken. But but, but it, it, it meant, uh, it even had rape on there, it meant. You know, and I'm sitting there thinking, it's a taken by force. And I was sitting there thinking, this word doesn't sound right. Look it up for yourself. You can look it up in the... In the um, uh, Sean Concordance, you can look it up in the dictionary as well, too, to learn the truth about this. But right now we're going to take a look at, because we see where Jesus said resurrection. We see where Jesus says the redeemed of the Lord. We know that, that you know, the 144,000 are the ones that are going to be redeemed from the earth. So we know about them. We know about the ones going to be re- resurrected from the dead. But where is this rapture doctrine come from? If you go on our site or even on at post Network. Dot org, or you can go on our Facebook page at PTN Talk Radio. You can click on the um, um, the, the event there that we have. Jesus never told us there would be a rapture. And then you go to, to discussion, and you'll see that there as well, too. On the site, it's called the uh, Origin and History of the Rapture. And so we're on that page right now. Um, it's posttribnetwork.org slash pages slash rapture, and you can find it there as well, too. If you want to call in, I'm going to put that in right now, you can at 744-444-7444. And you can call in, and call ID, of course, is one two two seven seven seven. And you can listen by phone as well, too, or you can come directly onto our site and go to it. You can listen to it on our site on the homepage. But, you know, where did this rapture doctrine come from? 
And, you know, I was doing some uh, looking up, and we were doing some studying, and we were trying to see where, because we don't want to get man's opinion. We want to know, hey, where did this come from? Is this biblical? Because you should always, I don't care if it's your preacher, your pastor, your priest, or whoever, a friend or whoever. When they tell you something, you need to go check it out and see if it's in the Word of God. Now, when I was looking at this back in the 17th centuries, uh, there was an American Puritan. Puritan were the names of the people that were like on the uh, the Mayflower. They were Puritans. That's what they, the old name for Calvinists is, is Puritan. That's their their first name that they were given before they become Calvinists. They're follow, followers of John Calvin. So an American Puritan, father and son, names were Increase and Cotton Mather. They are the first ones who had the idea that believers would be caught up in the air and then they would follow by the judges of the earth and the millennium. Okay, they're the first ones to start teaching that. They didn't call it rapture and stuff like that as we hear today, but that's where it originated from, the earliest findings that they can find about it. And then it went on to Philip and, and uh, Dodgerin and John uh, Gill. The term rapture was used by them. Okay, they're the first ones to use the term rapture, the, the word rapture, in their New Testament commentaries. Okay, with the ideal that believers would be caught up prior to the judgment on the earth and Jesus' second coming. So they're, they're, they're the ones that started teaching this. We see it evolving, I guess I should say. We see that teaching, you know, began to be taught, you know, more and more. As Mike and I was looking at these things, we were trying, you know, to determine exactly where this began. So here we got already four of them. See, it's starting to populate. One tells another, another tells another, another, you know what I mean? And it begins to populate. But you know, is it scripture? That's what we need to understand here. Now, we see a Catholic priest uh, by the name of Emmanuel Lacunza, 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 and John Nelson Darby, also Morgan Edwards. Uh, these uh, these exist at least one 18th uh, century and two 19th century pre-tribulation references, okay, that is found. Published in 1788 in Philadelphia, a Baptist, Morgan Edwards, okay, him, and then a Catholic priest, that's Lazinza, is that correct? Lacunza, Lacunza, my husband's helping me pronounce these words, in 1812, and then John Nelson Darby in 1827. However, both books published in 1788 in the writings of Lacunza have opposing views regarding their interpretations. Now, just understand, this is their interpretations, okay? Okay, not of the commentaries. Remember, commentaries... You find commentaries a lot of times in these newer Bibles. Ricky has talked about this many, many times. You know, that's the extra stuff that's added usually at the bottom or maybe to the side, sometimes down the middle. And it's commentary being added. Well, the Word of God warns us not to add to or take away from the Word of God. We do not count that as biblical doctrine, sound doctrine, okay? The only thing sound doctrine is what God had them to write, not this extra stuff, commentaries that we're seeing right now that's being added into the Word of God. Now, as we begin to go on, we see here, now this is a different Emmanuel, Lacunza, right? Lacunza? This is a, a Jewish priest, okay? In 1731-1801, he began to, uh, he wrote uh, a title of a book called, I'll put it in English term, The Coming Messiah and the Glory of Majesty. Majesty. Uh, the book appeared uh, first in 1811, 10 years after his death. He started teaching it. So you see how it's starting to build up? We've already went from one, two, three, four, five, up to six. And see, it's it's starting to evolve. It's starting to come up. But yet, 
where is the Bible? None of them taught a biblical doctrine about it. In other words, backing it up, you know, with the Word of God. And so that's what we got to understand. And then we have Edward Irving in 1827. It, it was translated into English by the Scottish minister Edward Irving, it says. So he transferred this from um, the Jewish priest, Emmanuel Lapinza. And Edward Irving's come along, and he translated into English when it became the coming Messiah and the glory and uh, majesty. So we see right here where it happened. So it's 10 years after his death. This book got published 10 years later. Isn't that kind of strange? I would think that's a big, you know, long gap there, 10 years. But anyway, Edward Irving, he translated it into, he was a Scottish minister, and he translated it into English, okay? So here we go. Dr. Samuel, Mike, help me pronounce this. Dr. Samuel. Samuel. On down, right underneath Edward Irving's. John Derby and Edward Irwin's, what's the first name? Are you on it? Right underneath that, are you on the same page I am? Okay, underneath Edward Irving. Verdicts? Yeah, verdicts. Verdicts? And John Darby and Edward uh, Irving, okay? They started uh they started it in eight let's see, Doctor Samuel, he was from eighteen thirteen to eighteen seventy five. And he was an English uh, theologian and biblical scholar, and he wrote a pamphlet in 1866 tracing the concept of a rapture through the works of John Darby and Edward Irving. So you see, you see how this is embalming? Okay, and then it says, although not used to the term rapture, the ideal was more fully developed by Edward Irving in 1792 to 1834. So we see what's going on, what's happening here. It's starting to be indoctrinated, starting to be put in there. They're starting to evolve, you know. But yet what I'm noticing when I went to look at these, uh, you can I actually put on there where you can click on there and you can go and read through encyclopedias and all that about these men, okay, and you can learn what they taught. But I'm not seeing the scripture backing it up. Yeah. You know, I'm not seeing the word of God backing it up. And it says we're to prove all things, right, by the mouth of two or three witnesses. They're teaching it. But where's the proof of this? Where's the proof from the Word of God? I'm not seeing that. So we see now, now Ricky, if uh, you or Rachel or anything want to say anything, just uh, let me know in the room here so I know, and I'll I'll stop if you want to elaborate or, or mention anything, okay? Just try to get this out there, and, and uh, you know, if y'all want to share anything, just let me know. That way I'm aware of it. Okay, now, we see right here, Matthew Henry would be the next one. Matthew Henry... Uh, uh, first volume published in 1706, um, uh, it says uh, M. Henry, 1994. 1994, Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible, complete. Now, the, everybody knows who Matthew Henry is. I've heard of him. Complete and unbridged in one volume. Peabody uh, Hendricks, Matthew Henry used a ter- the term, what term? Talking about rapture, the word rapture, in his commentary of 1 Thessalonians 4. So here we got Matthew Henry in his commentary writing in the Bible his interpretation of 1 Thessalonians 4. So when you go and you look at 1 Thessalonians 4, it doesn't teach, you know, of a rapture there. So here we got someone trying to tell us the interpretation. The interpretation, first of all, comes from God by his spirit. It does not come from man. It comes from God. And so we see here let me go there real quick. But we see here 
here we got it all the way brought up, and then all of a sudden now we're seeing the commentary from Matthew Henry being put in our Bibles telling us that that uh, this is what they want you to believe, that First Thessalonians 4 is speaking of a rapture. So see the deception? <laughs> well, what does First Thessalonians ta- uh, talk about? Well, let's go down so we're all going to know what it is as it goes down here. And this is what he's referring to. He says in 4.13, um, okay, right here, I'm going to go on down. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, dead. Remember, we talked about this the other day, about those that are dead. If they're dead, then they're waiting to be what? Resurrected, okay? That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, resurrection, even so them also which sleep, dead in Christ, in Jesus, Will God bring with him why he raise him from the dead? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep and are dead. Those who are alive and remain are those redeemed from the earth. The 144,000 were told that, the, that they're numbered, 144,000 redeemed from the earth were told in Revelation. So it's very clear in Scripture. For the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, what trump? the last trump, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The dead in Christ is those that gave up their life for the name of Jesus. Shall rise first. That's a resurrection. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we be with the Lord. Once alive and remain, again, are those redeemed. The ones that are dead in Christ are those that are in their graves that's going to be resurrected. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So now here we have Matthew Henry comes along and he begins to write commentaries in the Bible, on the side down below. He begins to write commentaries telling us that First Thessalonians 4 is referring to a rapture. We didn't see a rapture. We saw what? Those alive remained. We know those are the ones that are redeemed from the earth, the 144,000. And we see the dead in Christ, which is resurrected. Resurrected, right? So we do not see speaks of the dead. Those that are asleep, that's those who are dead, dead in Christ. We see the dead, and we see the ones that are redeemed from the earth, the 144,000. We do not see a rapture. So here we got Matthew Henry coming along, adding commentaries. Uh, This was back in 94. He started doing it, adding commentaries to the word of God, adding to the word, and explaining what 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, that Paul was trying to say that there's going to be a rapture. So you see the deception, you see how easy that was to do to deceive people? And they say, oh, well, caught up. Well, Jesus wasn't raptured. Jesus was raised from the dead, right? He was raised from the dead. He's the first fruit to enter into the heaven, right, to enter into there. He was not raptured. He was resurrected from the dead, just as we're going to be resurrected from the dead as well, too. So this is what we got to understand. So here we got Matthew Henry adding to the word God in a term in his commentary, it says, of 1 Thessalonians 4. That's where he begins to use the word rapture. And so here we got it. At first, you know, you know, we don't see it being used by Edward Irving. The idea of it's there, but not the actual word. But we began to see Matthew Henry began to publish the word rapture into his commentary of 1 Thessalonians 4. Now, again, if y'all need to say anything, you want to say anything before I continue on, just let me know, and 
and I'll let you have it. Now we have Edward Irving, James Hitthorn, Todd Samuel Roffey, Maitland, and Francisco Rivera. Now listen to what they've done. Urban, uh, Urban uh, directed his attention to the study of prophecy and eventually accepted the one-man Antichrist ideal. Uh, James and Samuel and uh, Francisco, they began to uh, take it a step, a step even further. So here we got Ur- uh, Edward Irving beginning to teach the ideal of two phrases of return of Christ. Now, the Word of God don't teach us two comings to Christ. He came the first time, right, to say that which was false as a baby, right? Right? And he was crucified on the cross. It talks about his second coming. And there was never, ever a teaching the difference between Christ, you know, between the return of Christ as if it was in two phases. See, they sit there, and what they've done is Irvin, or Edward Irving, he said and put it in two phrases, trying to tell people that, there's, first of all, there's going to be a secret rapture prior to the rise of the Antichrist. And then that Jesus was going to come at the last day and defeat the Antichrist. And he separated the two events with two coming. But that is not taught in the Word of God. Now, according to Edward Irving, there are three gatherings. Now, get this. Now he's saying there's three gatherings. He put it in two phases. Now he's saying there's three gatherings. This is the first of the first fruits of the harvest, the wise virgins who follow the lamb, wherever he goes, and next, the abundant harvest gathered afterwards by God, and lastly, the assembling of the wicked for punishment. That is not taught in the word of God at all. There is no place in Scripture that this is taught. Why Edward Living Irving is teaching this, I have no idea. But he is trying, this is deception. This is how the deception came in. There's no biblical doctrine. Go read his, go read his, go read. You know, understand, when you read a book about the Bible or a track about the Bible or a commentary about the Bible, understand it's not the Word of God. It's not the Bible. Go to the Word of God and see if these things are true. See if they're biblical before you take them in to believe it. Because here's what we're having. It's evolving. It's developing. It, it's, it's causing so many people to be deceived. That's how we got this rapture pre-trib doctrine. Now, here we got John Nelson Darby. He popularized the, uh, you know, made it popular, the pre-trib rapture in 1827. This view was accepted among many of the Plymouth Brethren movements in England. John Darby and other uh, prominent brethren were part of the Brethren movement, which impacted American Christianity, especially with the movements and teachings associated with Christian eschatology and fundamentalism, primarily through their writings. So you see what you see what's happening. When we weren't moved, this movement didn't happen by the Holy Spirit, as we've seen happening, you know, in the Word of God. What happened when the disciples would speak? Well. They would be pricked in their hearts and be moved, you know. There would be more added to the church, right? But we're seeing a new doctrine coming in, affiliating the church and penetrating the church that has caused such division, you know, between church members. And it's very sad as we see this happening. Now, we see next is William Eugene Blackstone. Again, if you go to our site, scroll down to our prophecy studies, you will find find this there that tells us uh, the origin and history of the rapture. We have all this there. You can go study these men out for yourself. You can go look this stuff up for yourself. 
We're always very strong on knowledge and educating yourself, you know, and being led by the Spirit most of all. Let him teach you the truth about this so you're not deceived by these things. So as we see going on down here, next we fall in line with William Eugene Blackstone. Is that where we're at? Influence included the Bible Conference movement starting in 1878 with the Nigeria Bible Conference, Niagara Bible Conference, these conferences, which were initially inclusive of historicist and futurist premillennialists, led to an increase except of futurist premillennial views and the pre-tribulation rapture, especially among the Presbyterian, Baptist, and congressional members. Popular books also contribute to the acceptance of the pre-tribulation rapture, including William Eugene Blackstone's book, Jesus Coming, published in 1878, in which sold more than 1.3 million copies, and the Schofield Reference Bible, published in 1909 and 1919 and revised in 1967. So you see what's going on here? You know, you know, with 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 uh, uh, Matthew Henry and and Darby and and uh, Irving and and you see what's happening? These commentaries and people began. You go into a Christian bookstore and you find more commentaries of the Bible than you do the Bible. You don't. Know, you can't pick up just an original King James Bible anymore in these places, and they're expensive, aren't they, Mike? Fifty, sixty, two hundred. You know, $100, $200, and people are in there flooding and they're buying them, and they got all these commentaries from these men that I'm reading about here, you know, commentaries and that crammed in them, and it's, it's, it's uh, polluting, perverting the gospel. It's not sound doctrine anymore. It's their opinion. You know, it's what they believe. And, and and these Bibles are still being sold. You get the Scalpel Bible, reference Bible. I've heard of it many, many times. You know, it's pretty, uh, you know, it, it's uh, definitely pretty popular, you know, these ones. And so this is what we're seeing going on here. Now, now we get, began to see that uh, the early original Christian churches, as well as the Catholic Church, Eastern Orthodox churches, the Angelican Communion, uh, and many Protestant uh, Calvinist denominations had no tradition of, of, uh, of the return of Christ and rejected the doctrine. Okay, but we also see that some began to accept the doctrine as well, too. So you have some that, that rejected it, and you have some that accepted it, okay? Then guess what it caused? More division, okay? The Orthodox Church, for example, rejected it because the Protestant doctrine of the rapture depends on the millennial interpretation of a prophetic scripture. Others then, and a million, I can't say half these words, sorry, a millennial or post-millennial fashion, okay? So now, then we got some that came along, and they believed the doctrine originated from uh, Alexandria scholars, such as Clement, Oregon, is that right, Oregon, Oregon? and uh, and and uh, later became Catholic dogma through Augustine. Augustine? Augustine? So you see what's going on here? You know, and so now we got splits. We got one believing one thing, one believing another, and all these splits going on of, of what's taking place here. So then you see here, um, some maintain that the earliest known uh, extra-biblical references, extra-biblical references, that kind of concerns me, that word right there when I saw that, to the pre-tribulation rapture is from the 7th century track. 
known as, I'm going to go ahead and, and Apopolis of, uh, I, it's from Pseudo Ephraim <laughs> the Syrian, okay, which says, for all the saints and the elect of God are gathered prior to the tribulation that is to come and, and are taken to the Lord, at least they see the confusion that is overwhelmed the world because of our sins. However, the interpretation of this writing or supporting a pre-tribulation rapture is debated because it holds no biblical truths. That's what it says. It holds no biblical truth. You know, that's just someone's opinion. And then, of course, I'm sure some of y'all have heard uh, of Margaret McDonald. Margaret McDonald, she was a visionary. She was a Catholic. Uh, she supposedly had a vision. She was a follower of Edward Irving. And according to her vision, she began to, they began to say that her vision was about we would be raptured before the tribulation. And so her her vision began to get published, okay? Um, it, it got published, it says again, she had it supposedly in 1830, and it got published again in 1861. So you see how this doctrine is coming in? But yet, it's not sound doctrine. There's no biblical proofs to back this up. Then you got John. Wow, Lord. Wow. Walbord, W-A-L-D-O-O-R-D. Sorry, we don't know how to pronounce some of you are doing the best here. 1957, he was a theologian of Dallas Theology Seminary, author of the book, The Rapture Question, that gave theological support of a pre-tribulation rapture. This book eventually sold over 65,000 copies. Do you see how it's doing? See what it's doing? And then you got Jay Dwight a Pentecost author, um, authored another book supporting the pre-tribulation rapture, Things to Come, a study of biblical ecstasy, which sold over 250,000 copies. So are you seeing how it's it's evolving? How that doctrine's starting? How the rapture doctrine doctrine has started? And and here here we got, everybody knows who Hal Lindsey is. Hal Lindsey Back in the 1970s, uh, he began to do books uh, that included the late, great planet Earth. Uh, It sold 15 million to 35 million copies. He's still on TV today. Yeah, he's still on TV today, as Mike just said. Uh, The movie, A Thief in the Night, that was very popular. Don't you remember that started coming out? They still sell that. And he said the rapture was going to be in the 70s, and he's still getting money from people today. Yeah, he, he claimed that the rapture would happen back in the 70s. He's still getting money people today, and he's still on television today. He keeps going back between Daystar and, and TVN. Um, but uh, he also done the movie A Thief in the Night, which is still being sold. You can still buy it. still very popular, uh, which basically is tied upon a scriptural reference of 1 Thessalonians 5 2. Well, let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5 2. I, I wanted to show this. I'm grateful someone's bringing up the scripture here, but are they misquoting it? Well, let's go find out. Let's go see what First Thessalonians 5, verse 2 has to say. I mean, you know, we we got to, you know what, prove all things. we got to hold it up to the light of God's word. But supposedly his thief denied and the late great planet Earth, he claims this is from Revelation 5, 2. Well, let's see what it says. I'm going to start with verse 1. 
But the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes with deep night. Now, we already went through what the day of the Lord is. It's a day of wrath. It's a day of his coming. It's a great day of God. It's the last day, the last trumpet. We already did a whole radio program on that. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon them. It traveleth upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Well, how does that prove a rapture? It says they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are children of the light and children of the day. We are not in the night nor in darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. There's that word sleep again, but dead, y'all, as do others. But let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that sleep, be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us, who are the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God is not appointed as a wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So we understand right there what's he talking about. Well, God is not appointed as a wrath. But if you go read Job, we've done it many times. What did Job say? Thou will hide me in the grave until thy wrath be passed, and then thou shall remember me. Stop and think about that. He talked about the change. I'll wait till my change comes. He knew, Job knew, just as Paul did, that we'd go to the grave. We'd wait till Christ comes on that day, that last day, the day of the Lord, that comes the deep in the night when he destroys all the wicked upon the earth. He seals the redeemed and he resurrected those that died in Christ, us. Praise God. It says, for God has not appointed us to wrath, but attain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or we sleep, whether we're the redeemed or we're the resurrected, we should live together with him. Praise God. So I'm already reading down to verse 10. How did Hal Lindsey use that verse in First Thessalonians 5.2 and tried to say? He based the movie A Thief in the Night, which is based uh, its title on the scripture reference, First Thessalonians 5.2. So he just took the thief in the night from there, but he didn't say it says yourself no purpose that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. When the day of the Lord comes, it's God's wrath. So there was no rapture. I read you all the way down to verse 10, I believe, 10 or 11. And you know what? I see no rapture in there. So he taught falsely, but he made a lot of money off that teaching. Lindsay proclaimed that the rapture was imminent based on world conditions at the time. The Cold War figured prominently in his predictions of impending Armageddon. Other aspects of 1970s global politics were seen as been having predicted in the Bible. Lindsay suggested, for example, that the seven-head beast was ten horns. Uh, beast with ten horns cited in the book of Revelation was the European economic community. Um, a forebearer of European Union, which between 1981 and 1986 had 10 member states, is now has 27 member states. That's when he was proclaiming that Mike was talking about of Jesus coming moment, right? The end of the world, rapture, so on and so forth, which didn't happen. And FYI, now those 27 member states, now we just seen this this year, three left. Three left it. Three left the 27 member state now. So, so you see what I'm saying? Uh, a lot of it was done on opinions, assumptions, uh, you know, maybe what they were seeing during that time and so on and so forth. But what we're trying to show here is that there was no biblical doctrine here. You cannot take one verse 
and just run with it. Go and look up a thief in the night and go see what Peter said and Paul said. Go read what the you know what they said about that. You're going to see that the day of the Lord is the day of His wrath, the day the day of His coming, uh, the day, the great terrible day of the Lord. There are, we have it on 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 the side of all the scriptures of the day of the Lord exactly what it is. Uh, just God's word, nothing else added to it. And you can see it for yourself. Now we have Kim LaHaye who's come forward in 1995. The doctrine of pre-tribulation rapture was further popularized by Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series books, which sold tens of millions of copies and were made into several movies. Still being sold today, still very popular today, up to the man just died last month, I believe it was. And you know what? Still hanging on to the deception on TBN and other places to deception of a pre-trib doctrine. If you ever notice on his books, have you ever noticed it says fiction? Fiction means what? Not true. It, it's if it was true, you know, it's not biblical doctrine. It's just a movie. It's just a book, but it says that it's fiction. But so many people will sit there. I mean, I mean, we began to speak out many years ago about the left behind series. People were attacking us terribly because we were trying to explain to them, hey, we can't take that as the word of God. It's just a movie. It's just a book. It's not the word of God. You know, and that's the problem that we see going on. The doctrine of the rapture continues to be an important issue of many churches and Christians from all around the world. But as we can see clearly that this view of pre-tribulation rapture is based on tracts, commentaries, books, visions of men and women, and not from the Word of God. Now, we took you all the way from the 1700 up to now, and we see this deception and how it, came about and yet it's still going on today and many are being deceived again if you want to look this up and go and search these people out for yourself as we did you can go to posternetwork.org slash pages slash rapture just go to the site and look down and find the study that we did the origin history of the rapture and go and look for yourself go and look these things up for yourself it's all right there all you got to do is go there I've got, got it. We can click on the name and go and look, and you can you can go and read about them, what they taught, what they believed, so on and so forth, and you can see for yourself that what they taught and what they believed was not sound doctrine at all. Rick, I'm gonna give it to you. Thank you for being patient. Absolutely, and that's very informative. Uh, what what we uh what we looked at there, and um, folks, I want you to know that um, we here at uh, Post-Trib Network, we do not teach, nor does the Bible teach a rapture of any kind. Now, we do know that since uh, current events have happened, that a lot of the uh, pre-trib rapture believers have changed their beliefs to a post-trib rapture belief. But the word rapture, the the meaning of rapture and everything that we're talking about, we do not endorse the word rapture any time at at pre-trib or post-trib. Now, there is a plot of safety. Now, people may be asking, well, what's the difference? Why is it such a issue? I'll tell you the issue is uh, from what she just read here about these guys about their idea. The plot of the rapture is this. Uh, the plot of the rapture, 
Number one, we'll call we'll talk about the pre-trib escape. You know what Sherlin was. You know what she was referring to uh, on the origins of, of where the word rapture comes from. Okay, the the plot of the pre-trib escape is uh, a plot to deceive the saints that they will not see the reign of the Antichrist, which the Bible calls the Great Tribulation. Now then, um, why what do why do they what these guys are doing here, they're taking one verse, and she read you out of First uh, Thessalonians 5, but also if you, if you go to First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, they're taking that one verse, and they're actually building a doctrinated pre-trib doctrine or, uh, uh, concerning this, and uh, what what I mean by that, if you go to um, uh, if we if you go to First uh, Thessalonians four verse thirteen, let's read this again. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord should not prevent them which are asleep. We do know this is death. In verse sixteen, for the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then which then we which are alive then we which are alive uh, shall uh, and, are re- and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we shall ever be with the Lord wherefore comfort one another in these words. Now then, what we got to understand, there's something that we got to understand here, that they, they're taking this and what Satan is trying to be deception about or deceived about this, he's trying to deceive us into saying that Jesus in Matthew 24 was teaching something different than what Paul was bringing out in First Thessalonians 4, which we know is not true because we know in First Thessalonians 2, at the second letter to the Thessalonians, Paul, more let, Paul went back and he also told them not to be deceived about the coming of the Lord. So therefore we have the, pre, we have the plot of the pre-trib escape, which is totally against the word of God. Now then... We've got the post-trib believers that believe in a post-trib rapture. They still say there's going to be a rapture, which is still against the word of God, which is the the plot to uh, to escape from fulfilling our cross. Notice that I said our cross. When I say our cross, by meaning our cross, remember, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. What is the semitation of the cross? It's fulfilling your destiny as a follower of Christ. And a cross is a place of death. In other words, we are to die upon that cross in the fulfillment of death. Um, I tell you what I'm trying to say. This brings about us, um, this is our fulfillment until, like she brought up about Job, until the wrath be passed, he remembers us, he brings us forth in the resurrection that we read about in First Thessalonians four, and in First um, Thessalonians five, what she what she read also there. Understand that another deception that they use 
And this is some of the stuff that she done went over, but I just want to kind of talk about it. Another deception that she that that they use is they try to say that now they the your 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 rapture teachers would tell you that the word rapture means catch away. If you notice, First Thessalonians four does not have the word catch away in it. It means caught. It's caught up. Catch away means if you're running away from something, and something catches you, snatches you. Remember, we said kidnap, snatch, taken away. That's what we said. You know, that's what we was. That's what the meaning of rapture means. It means means forcibly done something. So therefore, we see that there is a there is an error in their meaning here when they try to do this. Number two, she mentioned about the different harvests. Number one, remember, when Jesus talked about the harvest in the word of God, the word harvest is not, a, a, is not a plural. It is a singular, meaning a one-time event. Now, there is going to be a separation of that harvest of the chaff and the wheat. And um, this is what we've got to understand, folks. We've got to get in the Word of God and understand the Word of God, take it as a whole, and know it's not saying two different things. Back to you, sis. Well, and, and you know, and you know, most of these uh, men, you know, that are basing this on these, you know, when they do base it, the scriptures are taken out of context in order and put in their commentaries. It's not true. Let's take another example. I would like to use First Corinthians fifteen to prove there's a rapture. Well, let's look at it in verse forty-nine. Uh, let's start with uh, verse fifty-one. First Corinthians fifteen fifty-one. This is Paul. Behold, I show you a mystery. I want you to keep an eye on that word. Remember that word mystery, okay? Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. There's the word sleep again, dead. But we shall be changed. They say that word change is, is the rapture. Hmm. That's not what the word of God tells us. And I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture. Now, remember, I want you to keep it on the word mystery, sleep, and change. Okay, y'all? Mystery, sleep, and change. In a moment, twinkle and I, at the last trunk, for the trunk shall sound, and the dead shall be raised in crockle, and we shall be what? Changed. What's it talking about? If we're dead and we're raised from the dead, is that not a resurrection? Remember, keep an eye on the word mystery, sleep, which means dead, and change, okay? For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see right there, now remember I told you keep an eye on mystery, Keep an eye on sleep, which means dead, and change. We just learned the word change is talking about a resurrection from the dead. Okay? So who else said this? Well, let's go look. Let's go look in Scripture. So we got to bring it. we got to back it up with the word of God. If we're not, it's just our opinion. It's just our, you know, our guess at it. You know what I mean? It's got to be, it's got to be the word of God. So we're going to look and see. Remember the words. What did I say? Help me remember to mystery, sleep, and change, okay? Paul talked about those. Let's go see in Scripture here of where we see it again. Right here, 
in the book of Job, Job knew about this change, okay? Now, let's look and see. Now, remember, sleep means what? That, look what Job says here in 14, verse 15. Maybe I need to go back a few verses. Okay, let's start back with, um, I'm going to start back with verse 12, Job 14, 12. So man lieth down and rises not, rises not, till the heavens be no more. They shall not awake nor be raised. Remember Paul talked about the raise? Be raised out of their what? Sleep. Paul talked about the sleep. Death. Oh, that thou wouldst hide me in the grave, that thou wouldst keep me in secret until thy wrath be past. Remember we just read? Paul said, God has not appointed his wrath. Why? Because we're hid in the grave. Okay? That thou wilt appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Job knew about the change that Paul knew about. Job's talking the same thing about being in the grave, asleep, hid, until thy wrath be passed. Then shall thou shalt call, and I will answer thee. Thou will have desires that work about his. What desire to work about his? The prophecy about death being swallowed up in what? Victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? It's swallowed up. Job talked about it. He knew about it. See? So this is what we got to understand. It says right here, if a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Thou shalt call and I will answer thee. Thou will have the desires of the work of thy hands. Right there, he states it. He's talking the same thing that Paul's talking about. Do you remember that Paul said, Behold, I show you a mystery. Did you catch the mystery? And remember that the mystery, he said it's going to happen when? At the last trump. And everybody wants to argue what the last trump is. Well, we got to stick with scripture about this, so I'm going to bring this up here and show you about the mystery here that Paul was talking about. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. Now, we know this mystery, he's talking about incorruptible, uh, putting on incorruption, you know, put on incorruption, moral, you know, being raised in mortality. Paul's talking about a resurrection, just like Job's talking about a resurrection, right? And Job said that we would be hid in the grave until God's wrath be passed. That's why we're not appointed to his wrath, okay? Now, we're trying to show you that Jesus taught, redeemed, resurrected, but he did not teach rapture. So we cannot teach against what God taught. So listen to this right here. Now, remember he said the trump's going to sound, okay? So let's just see what's going on here. Let's see what's happening here. Um, all right, we're going to start with Revelation 10, 7. I'm going to tell you about this mystery that Paul was talking about. Listen to this. Remember the mystery. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound. What is he sounding, y'all? What's he sounding? A trumpet? Right? Do y'all agree? He's sounding a trumpet, right, Mike? Ricky? He's sounding a trumpet. Okay. Right here. Listen to this. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, remember Paul talked about that last trumpet. The mysteries, oh, wait a minute, the mysteries of God should be finished, and he has declared to his servants the prophets. 
Paul said, Behold, I show you mysteries. He was showing us the mysteries of God. That last trumpet is the seventh trumpet. That seventh angel is sounding, and a mystery that God should be finished. And the voice which I heard from heaven speaking to me, saying, Go and take the little book which opened in the hand of the angel which stands upon the sea and upon the earth. And he went and took the book. But what we see right here, it tells us exactly John in Revelation, which he got the revelation from Jesus Christ, is saying the same thing to John that Paul spoke about, that Job spoke about. They're all saying the same thing. All saying the same thing. See, this is dividing the word of truth, is when you begin to search those scriptures and you don't just take one verse like a piece of night and go write a book about it or go start a movie about it. You go and you search out those scriptures, and you know what? It's sound. It's solid because it's the word of God. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, what mouth did we have here? We have Paul. We have Job. We have Jesus Christ saying it to John. Because he's the one who, who who gave the revelation to John, Jesus did. So we have right here that this mystery, they all are speaking the exact same thing. And we see very clearly that it is not a rapture. Jesus told us very clearly. He told us in John 17, 14 through 18, that we would be hated. Jesus told us in John 15 through 18 through 21 that we would be persecuted. We were told by Paul in, in um, Philippians 1.29 that we would suffer. In Revelations 20, verse 4, Jesus tells us, because he is the spirit, that we would be beheaded. John 16.1-14, Jesus told us we would be killed. Paul in Romans 8.36 told us we'd be slaughtered. We're like sheep headed for the slaughter. Revelations 2.10, Jesus told John that, he, that someone would be cast into prison. For 10 days, he told us to be faithful to what? The rapture? No, death. That right there, that's how many accounts is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They told him to be hated, persecuted, suffered, beheaded, killed, slaughtered, and imprisoned. Where's the rapture at, people? Where is this rapture doctrine that we're being taught or told? I just told you where it came from. We just told, went through the whole thing, Mike and I did, of where that doctrine came from. Search it out for yourself, people. We have got to come to the knowledge of this truth, or we're not going to be prepared to be hated and persecuted and suffering and beheaded and killed and all these things that we're told is going to happen to us. We're not going to be able to endure it if we don't believe this doctrine. It says, it says in Scripture, thy word I have hid in my heart that I, that I will not sin against thee. That word is the only thing that's not going to pass away. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Not You don't need the Left Behind series. You don't need Hal Lindsey's uh, books or Thief of the Night or these dumb movies out here that are lying to you. What you need is the word of God hid in your heart. So you don't sin against him. So you can lay your life down so you can be part of that resurrection that Jesus told us about, that Paul told us about, that Job talked about. That's going to come. That's going to happen. If you, if he comes and you're alive here on the earth, you are going to be destroyed with the brightness of his coming. The hiding place of the grave. The hiding place of the grave. We're going to look at, uh, on the side again, we're going to look at redeemed, resurrected, not raptured. We're going to look at a few scriptures in there as well, too. I'm going to release this and let uh, Ricky say something. Go ahead there, Ricky. 
Folks, I understand how hard it is sometimes to be taught something all your life, and then all of a sudden, wake up with the with the with the knowledge that you've been taught wrong. And sometimes, even though you know you're being taught wrong, sometimes it's hard to let that go. But we've got to let that go. Remember what the Word of God says: a little leaven leaveneth the whole lot. Understand, understand. It's very important that we got to have the whole truth of the Word of God to un to to in our hearts. If we have one little thing that's been twisted or turned then we have been deceived by the whole part. Understand this. And um, now I was asked a question uh, when I was studying this the other day. I was asked a question by the Mike and Sister Ian. They said, well, do I really think, you know, we, we was talking about it, do I really think that man's heart is going to grow cold enough to where they're actually going to kill the Christians? I said, yes. I said, if their heart is already hard enough, to kill babies that are still in the womb, how much easier is it going to be for their hearts to be hard enough just to go out and kill people because they choose to be a Christian and not take a mark? And I think it's something very important we got to understand about folks. we got to understand uh, the, the truth of this. we got to understand that the truth does not lie in a commentary. It does not lie in a Sunday school book. It does not lie in anything that covers up or or liquidates the true meaning of the whole of the Word of God or adds to the Word of God. Remember the, uh, what the book of Revelation tells us. It's very, very plain that if we add to or take away from this book, if we add to it, the plagues will be added unto us. If we take away, then our part will be taken away from the Word of uh, from the book of life. Folks, Understand the truth is so much better, and and you cannot prepare yourself and believe in a lie. You cannot prepare yourself to die for the Lord if you're looking up, standing up, gazing at the air, thinking you're going to be snatched out of here, which you're not. It's not going to happen that way. Yes, Jesus is coming back, but he comes back on the last day. His reward's with him, but first he's coming back with wrath, and then when his wrath is passed, then we are resurrected, and then the ones that are caught up, the 144,000, will be caught up together with us, and we shall forever be with the Lord. But folks, it's it's he's coming back here. He's coming back. It ain't it ain't us going anywhere. It's he said he's coming back, and it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth born, because the old heaven and old earth will be passed away. Back to you, sis. Amen. Behold, he makes all things new. He's going to make you and I new as well, too. Let's take a look now at, at, at what the Scripture does teach us. It teaches, you know, some people are going to say, well, Paul talked about those alive and remained. Well, it tells us very clearly who are those that are alive and remain in, in the Scripture, so that's where we want to go to. We don't want to go to what we believe. Let's, let's see who's going to be alive and remain when, when Jesus comes, on that last day when he comes, that last trumpet, when he comes here to the earth, his, his final coming, his only coming, okay? When that takes place, we're dead in the grave. So who are these that are redeemed from the earth? Who are these that are alive and remain? Remain, the word remnant means remain. 
Look up the word remembered. It means remained. And God promised a remnant under Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would spare a remnant. Well, let's look in Scripture here, okay? Let's go to Revelation 14. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand having his father's name written in their forehead. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and the voice of the great thunder, and I heard a voice of the harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. They are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. They are they which follow the Lamb wheresoever he goeth. They were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Praise God. Do you see what's going on here? Okay, so we see the number, right? There's a number, 144,000. They are numbered, okay? They're going to receive the seal of God in their foreheads, it tells us. So these are the ones, when, when Christ comes, they will be the ones here upon the earth. And it tells us very clearly in Scripture who they are. So you've got to go and look, where does it talk about this number again? There's got to be another place. Well, there is, my friend. There's another place in Revelation 7 that speaks about this number that we just heard that's going to have the Father's name in their forehead that's going to be redeemed from the earth when Christ comes. Let's go to Revelation 7. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. The Father's name is the seal of the living God. We just read that in Revelation 14. And he cried with a loud voice to the poor angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them that were sealed. And there were sealed a hundred and forty and four thousand, all of the tribes of the children of Israel. Then he gives the list of them. Judah, Reuben, Gade, Asher, okay? So it tells us who these are. So when Christ comes, 144,000 that Paul talked about, there'd be some alive and remain. The remnant means remained. And we're told in Revelation 7, the 144,000 received the seal of God. We're told in Revelation 14 that they are the ones, when Christ comes, that are redeemed from the earth. So the ones that are redeemed, the ones that are alive on the earth at the time, are the 144,000 from the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Very clear in Scripture. We don't need to guess at that. Now, now, I'm, I'm going to give a, a, do you want to say anything about the redeemed? Okay. Ricky, do you have anything to say about the redeemed before I move to the resurrection? So we see, see in Scripture, give him a chance to, okay. We see in Scripture, those that are redeemed are the 144,000. And they will be the first fruit to, uh, unto God and to the Lamb, okay, the redeemed from among men when Christ comes. 144,000, we know that they're numbered and we know that they're Israel, for the children of Israel, they're Jews, okay? Very clear in Scripture. We ain't, there ain't no reason to argue about it. It's right there in the Word of God. Resurrection. Redeem is, is redeem means, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're sealed. We know they're sealed. They're, uh, we already mentioned that remnant means those that remain. 
the remnant, the ones who remained, ones that are still here at that time, we know it's 144,000. When we look at resurrection, Jesus told us about resurrection. It means to rise again, to raise from the dead, rise from the dead. Well, we see who? Both Job, right? And Job 14. We see Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians, what was it, 4, and 1 Thessalonians 5. We see Paul talk about a resurrection. Those alive, the redeemed, and those that are resurrected, the dead in Christ. Okay? So Matthew 23, uh, 22, verse 23, the same day came here into, uh, oh, wait a minute, that's the right one. I'm sorry, that's the wrong verse here. But we see very clearly, I'm going to move over, sorry. But we see very clearly here what's taking place here and what's happening here. Jesus spoke all about the resurrection in 22, Matthew 22, 27, Mark 12. I mean, over and over again he talked about the resurrection were warned. I like it when um, when Martha and Jesus has a conversation about about um, Lazarus. How come Jesus didn't reply to Martha and tell her, "Well, don't worry, your your brother's going to be raptured." She said, "I know that my brother shall rise again." In the resurrection, <laughs> at that day, uh, Martha knew about the day. She knew a resurrection was going to happen, right? So you see what I'm talking about here, right here in John 11:24. Martha said unto him, she's speaking to Jesus. I know that he talked about her brother Lazarus. I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So she knew about the resurrection. She knew about the last day. She knew about the dead in Christ because she's talking to Jesus about it, and she's saying the same thing that Paul, uh, that Paul said in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and in 1 Thessalonians. They knew about the resurrection. They're talking about the resurrection. I know. So Jesus talks about it many times. He said uh, that, that uh, uh that he was going to raise him again at the last day. Paul talked about the last day, the like being the last trumpet, the day of the Lord. Are you seeing what's going on here? It's called. It told us in that day that the mysteries of God shall be finished. Are you getting what's going on here? They all knew it. Martha, Jesus Christ Himself, Job knew about it. Uh, Paul, uh, uh, Peter. Peter even knew about it. They all talked about it. John Revelations. Uh, a matter of fact, Paul, when he talks about, uh, uh, you know, about death being swallowed up in victory, remember that? He's copying, he's prophesying of what one of the prophets of old said was going to happen. So, you know, they're all saying the same thing. Isaiah, yeah, uh, uh, that's right. Isaiah, Joe, they all knew about this. You know, they all knew about it. You know, Jesus even said that Moses, the books of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms all wrote concerning me. You know, that's the Old Testament. Moses wrote the first five books. The prophets wrote the others. Moses, he got the first five books. The prophets wrote, uh, David wrote Psalms. Uh, I think one or two uh, Moses wrote of, of Psalms as well, too. But if you go and look, that's the Old Testament. They all prophesied about Jesus Christ. They knew. They knew they were going to that grave. They knew they were going to stay in that grave until the resurrection come at the last day. 
see, if it's the last day, we just read that when Christ comes to heaven on the last day, at the last trumpet, the seventh trumpet, when it begins to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, we were just told that the heavens would be no more, according to Job, according to Peter. The heavens are going to be no more. If the heavens have passed away, Jesus said, heavens and earth shall pass away, but my words should never pass away. If it's going to pass away, how are you going to be raptured and be there for seven years? It's no longer here. Now, you're either got to be one, three places when Christ comes. You either got to be one of the 144,000 redeemed, which probably you're not, unless you're a Jew, okay? Are you going to be dead in Christ in your grave and be resurrected? Or are you going to be a wicked and have the mark upon you of the Antichrist and be destroyed when Christ comes? You're going to be at one of those three places. You're either going to be redeemed, resurrected, or destroyed. Not my words. That's his words. Because he said he would destroy the wicked with the brightness of his coming. One of those three places you're going to be. Because we've already proven in Scripture you can't be in heaven and heaven are no more. The earth is burned up. We know that before the earth is hurt, that the 144,000 are sealed. We know we're dead in the grave. So you're going to have to be one of those three. You're either going to have to be the redeemed, a Jew, 144,000 at that number. Or you're going to have to be dead in Christ in your grave. Or you're going to have to be destroyed when Christ comes because you have the mark. Do not be deceived by these left-behind false doctrine theories. They are false. They are not sound doctrine. They are fiction. They are not true. Do not be deceived. Jesus never taught us that he was going to rapture us. He told us he was going to redeem us, to redeem the 144,000, and he promised that he would come and resurrect us. That's what Martha was talking about when she talked about, I know my brother shall rise. She said, I know. I know he will. She knows about it. What did she know? She knew about the resurrection. Peter knew about the resurrection. They all knew about the resurrection that was coming. And so that's what we got to understand here. Even when someone was teaching that the resurrection passed already, Paul rebuked them, told them they've erred. Concerning the truth, have erred, saying the resurrection has passed already and overthrew the faith of some? See, it's, see, look at that. See that overthrew the faith of some? Departing from the truth, causing people to fall away. This false rapture and doctrine is causing people to fall away from the truth. And they won't be willing. What's going to be so sad, and we've talked about this many times, if you're preparing yourself for a rapture and you find yourself facing death, that you're going to have to lay your life down of one of those things that we talked about, being killed, persecuted, hated, thrown in prison, beheaded, uh, slaughtered, as a sheep, all these things that, that we, we, we showed you in Scripture. And you're believing in a rapture. It's going to be very hard to lay your life down for Christ. Again, we say all the time, you know, prophecies of the Word of God is not scary, it's to prepare you. And that's all we're trying to do is prepare you for the truth. Don't, don't, don't believe this lie. Don't be deceived by these things. When Christ comes, it's the last day. There's no more. There's no more days left. That's it. It's the last day. God, it says that he, it says in Scripture that he is long-suffering. He's not slacked in his promises, but he's long-suffering. That means patient towards us that none should perish. He's given us to the very last day, just like he gave time in the days of Noah for Noah to build that ark. And he gave man 120 years to repent, but only eight souls got on that ark. And we're seeing the same thing today. That's why he says, you know, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? 
When he comes, he's coming with vengeance. He's coming with anger to destroy the wicked. He's going to burn this earth up with a ferment heat. The heavens will be no more. They're going to pass away. You have to decide where you want to be. Do you want to be, you know, do you want to be dead in your grave? Waiting patiently on the Lord, waiting for his wrath to pass, that he remember you, waiting for your change to come? Are you going to be deceived, thinking you're going to be raptured and find out that it's not going to happen because Jesus never taught it? It was just doctrines of men and devils. See, this is where we have to take a stand. Anything that you're told, anything that you're taught, I don't care. Like I said, I don't care if you're preacher, your priest, your best friend, your whoever. You go and you get on your knees and you seek God and you get into the Word of God and see if it be true. Because there are so many things being taught that are lies and people have over you. Tell you, you know what? You tell a lie long enough, you start believing it's true. And that's what we're seeing happening. It's been told so long that people just believe it's true, even though there is no scriptures to back up a rapture. You are not going to be raptured out of here because when Christ comes, He's coming in the glory of his Father. He's coming as himself, the full glory. And the brightness of his coming will destroy all flesh upon this earth. It will destroy it all except for the ones that are sealed, the 144,000 of the 12 tribes of Israel, it tells us. And it's going to burn everything up. You are not going to be able to stand in the presence of God in this human body. We have to lay down this life. We have to be willing to die for Jesus Christ. And be in that grave. And that way we wait for our change to come. And the scripture can be fulfilled that death is wrapped up in victory. You know, that it's overcome. And we can give praises to God because we know he's our redeemer. You know, we know that he's the one that's going to come and resurrect us from the grave. Mike has something to share about this. Thank you, Ren. You know, and... Amen to to everything that's been said because I tell you, it's it it's not if if we can just get past what men have polluted, you know, in because they, I mean, you, you can go all the way back even after. During Paul's time, when Paul was preaching, you know, uh, in Galatia, in Syria, in, you know, in, in, you know, in, in Greece, you know, you know, and in the early church age, when, when people knew what the Word of God said, they would preach the Word of God. You know, and we got to understand that it is his word that we're going to be judged by, not a man's word, but what God's word says, you know. And, you know, he says, you know, before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth, he shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with what is truth. You know, and and we've got to understand understand that and believe that that it is God's word, not my word. I cannot find a pre tribulation rapture 
in the Word of God. I mean, you would have to literally change it. You'd have to add to or take away from the Word of God. You'd have to just totally rewrite it all and just hope that somebody believes it. And we see that we see that happening. And what had happened, and, and Ren went through that history, and what, you know, what, what, what had happened was a lot of those people, you know, they would come in there, and, you know, and, and you got to understand that back in them days was brut- brutal upon the followers of Christ. Even after Christ died, after Paul died, after, after Peter died, you know, after Stephen, after all those guys died, you know, the church was being formed was still was still in the beginning stages and so they'd meet up, you know, and but on the outside, you know, you'd see the pagans just killing uh uh Christ followers left and right, just just brutality. I mean just brutal killings. And all of a sudden one day, you know, it's like they start coming into church. They start listening to the work. Next thing you know, you know, they're they're breaking bread together. Next thing you know, hey, one of them is behind the pulpit. Next thing you know, they change the word of God a little bit, little bit of twist, just a little bit. And next thing you know, they're believing a lie. Oh, oh, that's what it says. Oh, oh, that well, well, well tell us more, preacher. Okay. You know, so they close their Bibles and just listen to the preacher. Next thing you know, well, you know what? Hey, this this is worth some money now. You know, I'm selling my books, you know. People are buying stuff. People are buying tapes, CDs, videos, conferences, you know. Next thing you know, you know what? People are buying it, literally buying it. I guarantee you that the pre-tribulation rapture teaching theory, theory, man's idea, is billion, billion, billion dollar industry at this point. Just billions of dollars. Just people just buying into this lie. But if I told you that we're going to we got to be prepared to die for our faith. We got to believe in his word. Oh, and by the way, it's free. You know, because the gift of God is free. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord, it, it's a gift. Salvation. It's free. You know, buy the truth and sell it not, right? You know, so so we're saying people... Buying it, just just going all over, and, the, and then they'll then they'll deny the scripture. They'll fight over you left and right and deny scripture. When one of the easiest, the one of the easiest scriptures to me, if you tell people, look, you know what, I'm going to tell you what your inheritance is. You know, because like, you know, if your grandma and grandpa dies, your parents die, sometimes they leave you an inheritance, you know, a little bit in the will, you know? Well, guess what, body of Christ? Guess what, people? The earth is 
your inheritance. This is yours. Something to get excited about, right? The new earth. The new earth. This is yours. This is where the kingdom of heaven is going to be, right here on earth. Bam. He's going to come out of heaven. Bam. He's going to set up his kingdom here on earth. And everything's going to change in the moment of twinkling of an eye. Okay. Now, let me just share this and I'll get right back to you. But the easiest scripture, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 30, if this doesn't just show it all right here in this scripture, I don't know what it is. Easy scriptures, Proverbs ten thirty. The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. We'd have to just absolutely butcher that scripture or not believe it. And just turn our backs on his on his word right there. And it's yeah, it's it's you can find that you can find references to that all throughout the Bible. The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. Look, I'm gonna give it right back here, right here in just a second. But I'll I'll I'll, I'll share this real quick with you. And if you want to do a a good study. Study those who are being taken because the ones who are taken first is the wicked, not the righteous. This earth is yours. This earth is your inheritance. And if you're taken, guess what? You're not righteous. That's straight up truth. That's straight up uh, fact in the Word of God. Go look it up. Don't don't look. We have it. Uh, we have a whole text. Yeah. One taken, one left. On yeah. Right. It, right on our site. One taken, one left. Right there. It's post a tribulation proof. Yeah. Look at the post tribulation proof. Right. In the, in the study, it's all. You know. What 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 we really like to push on on uh, that the ministry that the Lord has given all of us to oversee. It, it, you know, it's not it's not our ministry. It's 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 the body of Christ ministry, and it's what we what we really like to do. Instead of putting in a lot of commentary and this this stuff, this stuff, it is really adding not adding but providing ninety nine percent scripture proof. Because he says to prove all things, hold fast, which is good. You know, rightly dividing word of truth. Show the word. Show me. Prove it. Okay, I'll show it to you right here. Well, what 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 did I what did I just uh 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 say? I just I just showed you Proverbs chapter ten verse thirty writes, "The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth." You know, so if, if that's not enough truth, and if that's not easy, then you know what, I, you know, and then you need to question your pastors. You know, what are you what are you teaching me? You know, because, you, you know, what kind of, oh boy, you know, I mean, and and now you're asking me for money 
because you're teaching me this that I'm going to be poofed out of here any second, any day now? You know? I don't want to buy into this lie anymore. It's okay to question, you know, you might get kicked out of church, but, you know, but, but you know, but that's okay, you know. God's not going to kick you out for believing his word, you know. So, all right, thanks so much. Well, I want to, I want to also touch something, you know, on, on what Mike just said there, you know, and, and Ricky's saying something also in the chat room, too. He's saying, you know, Jesus said in John 17, he said, I pray that I'll take them not out of the world, but that I should keep them from evil. You know, I mean, I mean, Jesus even said what Mike was just sharing in Proverbs 1030. The righteous shall never be removed. That's why it tells in Revelation that, that the wicked are going to be ashes under the soles of our feet. You see? That's what people are not understanding here. Uh, Ricky's also saying over here, check out the studies. We have, go into the site at posttribnetwork.org and go down to Prophecy and you can see all these studies on there and there's nothing but scriptures. My opinion, Rick's opinion, Rachel's opinion, Mike's opinion, that does not matter. What matters is the Word of God. I'm going to bring something up here too. Mike kind of uh, started up in me a little bit here. But who was the liar from the beginning? According to Jesus, John 8, 44, he said, you are your father the devil. The lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abound not in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So he's the father of lies. Satan is, the devil, okay? When did he lie? Well, let's go find out what his first lie was. Now, I'm bringing up a point here, okay? What was his first lie? Well, in order to see the lie, we're going to have to see the truth, okay? So let's look at what God said here first, okay? God said in Genesis 2.14, excuse me, 2.17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eateth thereof, thou shalt surely die. Okay? Pass death on all of us. Okay? But look what the serpent said, the devil said to Eve, the woman, in Genesis 3-4. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Satan's telling a lie. There's the first lie. That's why he's the father of it. For God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, that your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So Satan tells a lie. God said, you're going to die. And Satan comes along and says, you're not going to die. Well, guess what? Don't you see that with the rapture? You're not going to die. You're going to be raptured out of here. Although God said, thou shalt surely die. Job talked about death. David talked about death. It says that they all died. They slept with their fathers. Slept with their, they, they, they died and they were buried. Every one of them, from Adam on, right, have all died, all died. If Satan's come along telling them, you're not going to die, rapture people say, you're not going to die. You go ahead and stay here and face that tribulation and all that, and they laugh at you, and they say, we're going to be raptured out of here. We're going to poof, be disappeared, our clothes folded, and we're going to float up into heaven naked. You go right ahead and stay here. We're not going to die. 
Well, guess what? That is from their father, the devil. He is a liar, and he's the father of it, and he's still preaching that false doctrine that you're not going to die. Even though the word of God says you're going to die, God himself said you shall surely die. Did Satan come along and said, you're not going to die? See, the lie, they all knew. They all went to the grave. Every one of the us went to the grave. And then here we have people still teaching the lie behind the pulpit. You're not going to die. You're going to be rap shattered. They laugh at us when we tell them they're going to die. They laugh at us. You're not going to die. Go ahead. <laughs> you stay here and die. We're out of here. Really? Where are you going? Because the heavens are no more. Where are you going? Let's look at some more scripture on this a minute. I, I, you know, this is what people do not understand, and they wonder why they are being deceived. They wonder why they're being deceived. Well, let's go look at the list here. Uh, I believe it's in Hebrews, but I can't remember right off the exact. Okay, y'all, help me with Hebrews, uh, where they all died, it says. Hebrews, I, know, I think it's Hebrews, isn't it, Mike? Hebrews what, though? Hebrews is 11? Might be 11. See if it is. Sorry, I did that right in front of me. Right here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. All right. Let's see again what the scriptures have to say. You know, the word of God is what matters. It don't matter what everybody else says. I think this is the right one here. Let's see here. Now faith, Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. That's all those before us, okay? Through faith we understand that, all, that the words were framed by the word of God so that things were are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, but by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. But I want you all to listen to what's going to be said here, okay? Hold on before you all jump on that. Listen. And was found and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark, the saving of his house, by which, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of all righteousness, which is my faith. By faith Abraham, when he had called to go out to a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which have foundations, whose builder and maker is God. What do you think that city is? Is it not the new Jerusalem? Think about this, y'all. Therefore sprang there uh, even the one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky of multitude, and the sands which is by the sea shore innumerable. That's pretty interesting right there. Uh, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar. In other words, they were believing by faith. All of them was clear back to Abel. It mentions they believed it by faith, y'all, by faith. 
They all died. These all died not receiving the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Now, it makes sense what you're saying. We're looking for the new earth, the new heaven. Okay? For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out of, whoops, lost some place here, sorry, came out of, they might have an opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their father, for he had prepared for them a city. There's that word prepared again, uh, Ricky, Mike. He prepared for them a city. Go look at what, 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 what John was taking up and saw a city. New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. New Jerusalem. There's a new heaven and a new earth. A new, new. Behold, all things become new. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that Isaac shall I see be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. Oh, he's talking about the resurrection, y'all. From whence also he received him in a figure. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both his sons of Joseph and worship, leaning uh, upon the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith Moses, are you hearing this, y'all? Yeah. When he was born, was hid three months. Praise God, he's going to hide us in the grave, Job said. Three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith, Moses, when he uh, was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing ready to suffer affliction with the people of God, then enjoy pleasure of sin for a season, exceeding the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He knew who the one was going to give the reward. It was Jesus Christ. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured a seeing him who is invisible. Are we going to do the same? Think about that. We've got a wrath coming, but it's a wrath of Satan. We're going to face the Are we going to be able to do that? Through faith, he kept the Passover, and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, then passed through the Red Sea. Can you imagine the Red Sea passing through it on dry land and seeing the waves on the right and the left of you? And walking on that? It says the Red Sea as dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they, they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the heart at Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And, and what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon of Barak, of Samson, of Japheth, of David, of Samuel, of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed violent in flight, turned, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Do you hear that? Obtain a better resurrection. 
not a rapture. They didn't look for a rapture. They looked for a resurrection. And others have trial of cruel mocking, scourging, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed asunder. That means they were sawed in half, y'all. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and the caves of the earth. And all these, and, and, all the, and these all, having attained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God had provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Are you seeing what's going on? Wait for the better promise. Wait for the better resurrection. Wait for, don't wait for a rapture. You wait for the resurrection. People, look at this. Are you telling me that Moses and David and all those, David who was apple of God's own eye, Moses who God had chosen, all these ones you look back and God made promises unto Noah. He made promises and he's a promise keeper. And, and you're going to tell me that they went through such affliction that you and I are just going to be able to rapture out of here? Come on. Jesus Christ himself was tortured and crucified, and he was resurrected. We're not better than him. He is the first fruit. He had to be the first one to come through. He had the first one to be raised from the dead and enter in heaven. That's why says, these all died, waiting for a better resurrection. See? Moses, he could have been king next. But he chose to suffer with God's people than to be called, what was it? The daughter, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to suffer with God's people. See, he wouldn't even enjoy the pleasure for it says a season. The pleasure of sin for a season. Stop and think about what's going on, what's happening. You're being lied to of a rapture that's not going to happen. Go and read Hebrews 11 and ask yourself, why would God have these people go through such affliction and go to their grave? They all died not receiving the promise. What promise? of the resurrection from the dead because it won't take place until that last day when Christ comes and he will raise them from the dead. They went through this affliction, this torture, this misery so they could receive a better resurrection, so they could receive a new earth, a new Jerusalem, a new kingdom. But we want to rapture out of here. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. We haven't even seen affliction yet, but it's coming. We haven't even seen what's going on in these other countries and where they're being beheaded and tortured and burned alive and hung and, 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 and thrown off from buildings and all these things we're seeing, torture and rape. and all. We haven't seen it here yet, but it's coming. And if you think you're going to be able to get into the kingdom of God without going through any affliction as we're speaking about right here, and you don't know Jesus and you don't know his word because that's what the word says. Jesus said that we would be persecuted. Jesus said that we would suffer. Jesus said, he said, I come not to bring peace but a sword. He said, in the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. 
He didn't say, be a good cheer, I'm going to come and rapture you out of here. He said, whosoever loses his life, for my name's sake, shall save it. That's what he said. That's what, that's what Christ said. That's what Jesus Christ said, whom you serve, whom I serve. If we serve him, we have to believe his word. If he said it, I believe He said he comes to me after tribulation. We go back and we see what word, what did Satan do back then when God told Adam and Eve, if you eat of that tree, thou shalt surely die. Satan come along and said, thou shalt not surely die. Added one word. Jesus said in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21 that he comes immediately after the tribulation. And preachers are taken out after and putting in before. And God's word warns us what would happen if we add to or take away from the word of God. You have to take away and add to in order to get a preterm rapture. What it says, that's his word. That's not my word, that's his word. You have to believe his word. Trust his word. Stop listening to these liars and these deceivers and these these workers of iniquity, these doctrines that, that itch and tickle your ears. Jesus Christ said, I testify to every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. And that's the whole book, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. This is Revelation 22, 18, and 19. And if a man shall take away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testify these things say, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Back to you, Ricky. Folks, get in the Word of God for yourself. Understand what the Word of God says. Remember, the fulfillment of the cross. In order to fulfill the cross, there has to be a death. When Jesus could, Jesus could not have fulfilled his cross if he had not died. Remember, he said, pick up the cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say his cross. Jesus had to bear his own cross. We have to bear our cross. In order to fulfill our cross, we have to die. Remember the word of God. Unless a seed is planted and it dieth not, it cannot bring forth the fruit. What fruit? The fruit of corruption to incorruption. These corruptible bodies cannot find incorruption until there's been a change, and that change comes from the grave. Back to you, sir. You know, you know, you, you know. You said that uh, scripture. You said about you know a seed. You know, has to die in order to bring forth that fruit. You got to understand something. We would be if we do that. If we follow in Christ's steps and we lay our life down for Him, then we're the fruit of His labor, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say that? Christ went to to that cross and died for us, right? And when we lay our lives down for him, we are part of that tree, part of that fruit of his labor. See, we don't want to be counted unworthy. You know, we don't want to be counted, you know, with the wicked. 
take in in prayer. Take the prayer, what we have shared here. Take it to the Lord. Let him reveal this truth to you and let you see the truth so that you may know him and you may lay your life down for him, that you can wait for that better promise, that, that, that better resurrection, and look for those things that he promised us because God does keep his promise. Hold fast that which is true. Let the Holy Spirit, who wants to teach you all things, teach you the truth so you won't be deceived by the lie. Jesus never told us there'd be a rapture, but he did promise us a better resurrection. If you'd like to send us an email, you can at pptntalkradio at gmail.com. You can visit our website at postchibnetwork.org. Go by uh, facebook.com slash pttntalkradio and like us over on Facebook. And we'd be happy to uh, even talk with you over there if you'd like to. But, you know, as we always say, you take it to the throne, we take it to the phone. Don't, don't ask him. Ask him. You go to him. He's going to tell you the truth. He's going to tell you the truth every time. So you go to him. Jesus loves you, and we love you too. Thank you for tuning in. God bless.